there's a lesson there for all young founders listening you have to do your own thing you can't get bothered by competition and you know what your competitor is doing and you have to do your own thing you have to follow your customers and listen to them and as cliche as it sounds it's not just the right way to build it's also a really fun way to build a company Welcome to the second episode of Untold Seed Stories, a mini-podcast series under our Seed to Scale initiative, where we unravel some untold stories from the first 500 days of some of the most successful startups in India that Axel is fortunate to have partnered with from a seed stage. Before we get into the podcast, a quick announcement. If you're building a consumer tech startup and are in your early stages, then we have a great opportunity for you as part of our Seed to Scale platform We recently opened our applications for Founder Stack program exclusively for consumer tech startups in their first 500 days of their startup journey. We have over 30 plus amazing founders and experts willing to spend time with you and provide insights, feedback and coaching. You can check it out at c2scale.com/consumer. In today's podcast, we listen to Abhiraj Bal, co-founder and CEO of Urban Company, earlier known as Urban Club, a leading home services company. with operations in India, Australia, Singapore and UAE. Joining him is Abhinav Chaturvedi, my partner at Axel who led the seed investment in Urban Company. We will talk about the untold stories from the early days of Urban Company, how the founders teamed up, conceived the idea, finalized on the idea, went about doing their initial market research, secured their first funding and how they went about navigating the famous chicken and egg problem with their home services marketplace. We close the podcast with a fun quiz between Abhiraj and Abhinav to see how well they know each other. I really enjoyed this chat, and I hope you do too. Welcome, Abhiraj and Abhinav. Thanks for joining. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Anand. Thank you, Anand. Okay, Abhinav, I'm putting you on the spot. Recount a fun story of Abhiraj's from the early days. Anything that you remember? So you know what? So in the initial days, when Abhiraj had come to pitch to us in Bangalore for the first time, so it was Abhiraj Varun uh, who had come, and Raghav was on the call. And so you know, post the first meeting, I was supposed to go back to Delhi and do a, a thorough DD on the tech stack they have built. Okay. And so you know, the, I think the next few days later, I mean, I am flying to Delhi, and um, Abhiraj calls me at this place called Bikaji Kama Place in Delhi, and The office space was maybe like three, four, three feet by four feet or something like that. So it was, <laughs> it was just like four people can sit in that office. There's no like, and I was the fifth one. So okay. If, so so I couldn't sit inside. So Abhinav says, "Hey, let's go grab some lunch." And so <laughs> so, so so I said, "Okay, let's grab lunch." And so take so the like, lunch. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and even more dingier place like inside <laughs> Bikaji Kawa, where <laughs> they serve this thing called uh, you know chola kulche or like matra kulche. Yeah. It's right. And, and Like this is the anti thesis of you know tech places that you can think of. Bikaji Kawa is like this really old, dingy place where there are no tech companies. There are these old <laughs> CA firms and some trucking companies, and you know it's, it's that kind of a place. So okay. that was our okay. first office, and then the yeah, food joints was... are very similar, like oily food. You know, like all the chola kulchas of Delhi, and you know basically yeah. dhaba style, essentially. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like supposed to. 
DD on on tech, yeah. and I'm like, you know, I'm going to ask questions. So I'm like, okay. And yeah. then Abhiraj springs up with surprise. So you know, why would you want to invest in us? ఉట్టింగ్ places my father was uh, in the indian navy so i had uh, you know the privilege of actually growing up in multiple cities i i was born in bombay but soon after that we moved to a very small district in tamil nadu called tirunal valley oh tirunal valley my wife from that cool. yeah, yeah yeah so i, I didn't even know very early childhood was tirunal valley some great memories yeah. some amazing food we are still very close to our neighbors at the time then a brief stint in vishakhapatnam and then back to back to bombay so i think the first i would say formative years before you know age 4 to 13 i was in bombay okay. so most of my early childhood schooling all of that was from bombay and then the teenage years was in vishakhapatnam that's where we moved but you know growing up in a in a defense environment you can't really tell that you know you could be anywhere you know whether mm-hmm. it's in bombay vishakhapatnam anywhere else it's all the same life is confined to a cantonment you know it's the same rigmarole of life you, you go to the naval school so very i would say sheltered and good childhood lot of focus on sports i think i would have played you know every sport that's out there so so a lot of good memories made a ton of really good friends who continue to be you know stay in touch with them we were also you know my father was an engineer so beyond sports there was also that focus on academics my sister was also an engineer my father's father was also an engineer so i guess somewhere there was this unsaid rule that you know eventually you will do engineering i don't think it was ever discussed what you're going to do you know after mm. class 10 it was like a natural transition and and eventually i ended up finding myself in iit kanpur where i did my electrical engineering got it so maybe uh, the from a structure point of view i want to spend a little bit more time abhinav and for the audience with abhiraj going through his background starting up uc and then i want to come to you to hear pick up where you met and journey on from there if that's okay right so abhiraj just walk us through your career like iit iim and bcg just talk us through the logic of your transitions well iit to iim logic was pretty simple I realized yeah. soon enough in iit that wasn't the smartest cookie you know i think i i graduated bang class average like 
right in the middle. So, you know, for who don't really get engineering, then the next <laughs> default is management. A little bit of shock. <laughs> and, and so I said, okay. As three three MBAs, we can boldly say that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, I said, I mean, at least Abhinav gave engineering a, a shot. You know, he was at least an engineer for a yeah, few yeah. years. And yeah. you know, I gave up, you know, right off of college. So, yeah. uh, so then went to I'm Ahmedabad. I'm Ahmedabad was, you know, I think the opposite of IIT Kanpur. IIT Kanpur was all all fun, uh, sleep for twenty hours of the day, and and you know, whatever, <laughs> eat for the remaining four. And I am kind of reverse that, like study for twenty and you know, sleep for four. Wow. Okay. So a lot of hard work. I think it's a, it's a pretty rigorous two-year course. I ended up interning with BCG. And I really, you know, I love my experience at BCG during the internship. So I was very clear that I, I want to go on and, and work for BCG. I spent three years with the firm. And I think if it hadn't been for, you know, the entrepreneurial bug, I probably would have just continued at BCG. It's a very special and very high quality firm. I, I realized the value of the firm only after I left it. The way the firm has been built, uh, the focus on people, culture, meritocracy, fairness. So it's a work of art. So I had, I had a ball at BCG. I, I spent time across multiple geographies, Germany, Southeast Asia, Singapore, uh, India. Uh, I worked on you know, a whole host of industries. Um, but towards the end of those three years, I also started to realize that you know, I wanted to, I guess, do more with my, my life and my career. I wanted to you know, build something that was of my own that could, that could become like one of the Fortune 500 companies that BCG was serving that scale, that magnitude, that impact. And basically anybody who's, you know, ever worked for any company, any organization, that organization, that company has been started by someone. So I think that thought sort of told me that, you know, this is the, this is, you know, one very impactful way to create value and and value creation happens through starting new enterprises. And so I think it was the last year of my three year stint at BCG. It became very clear to me that that's what I wanted to do. I called up Varun, who was a dear friend from from my IIT days. He was in BCG, incidentally, at the same time in New York. And I told him that this is what I've, I'm now considering to do. We had been chatting on and off about you know what we can build together pretty much throughout those three years. But uh, but there was you know one phone call, and Varun thought about it for a bit, and then he I think he was anyways also in a very similar mind space, and I knew that thinking about doing something of his own. So, so then Varun moved back to India and together we got started on, on, on the journey of, uh, of building urban company. Got it. So I want to hold, uh, come back to that story a little bit, but maybe just reflect back on the consulting experience versus going into operating role, like for the audience listening, any pros, cons that you want to call out? Um, there are for some, starting up. Yeah, I think there are some very, like consulting has some very clear pros in my opinion. I think you know, one is it teaches you uh, the essential toolkit of structured problem solving. And, you know, that can be learned elsewhere as well, but it's a pretty, pretty well-defined toolkit, which has been perfected over many years. So the focus on first principles, problem solving, structured problem solving, I think that learning and that training that I got at BCG was you know, pretty unparalleled. I, I mean, BCG was really my real MBA, I, think, I would say. The second was, you know, confidence. I found myself at multiple points of time during that three years to just interacting with CXOs and CEOs. And while all of them were, you know, great people who had achieved a lot in their life, 
I could also, you know, because of that, that opportunity realize that, you know, at the end of the day, they're also human beings mm. and I could do something similar. So I think that's basically what, you know, were my big takeaways from BCG. One was just the confidence to say, you know, I can do something of my own and operate at a, you know, global playing field and, and do the problem solving toolkit. Got it. So maybe then let's switch gears and talk about, looks like you found your co-founders first, at least Varun. Talk us through the phase of finding the co-founders because that's a crucial element of starting up. And then then finding the idea, like looks like that was the sequence or was it the other way around? Yeah, it was It was uh, the former. Found the co-founders okay. first and then the idea. So Varun and I go a fairly long time back. We've known each other for 15 years. We were in IIT Kanpur together in the same uh, department and the same hostel and eventually the same wing. So, you know, it's a lot of camaraderie and, and shared memories over the years. We also just kept in touch even after IIT, even though we were in separate continents and, and we took vacations together. And I guess we just kept talking about what we can do together one day. That conversation never really, you know, died out. Right after IIT, we started talking about it and it just continued well into BCG. And, and eventually, when I had, you know, reached the point where I... It took me a while to, you know, convince myself that this is something that I have to do. And you have to find that courage really to, to take that that leap. Then the default for me was to call Varun. I don't think it was, you know, something that I thought about a lot. It was it was sort of an unsaid thing. And there was just, you know, so much shared history, camaraderie, but also significant amount of mutual respect. You know, I think that's very important, I think. You know, co founding relationships are a bit like marriage and you know. Mm. Marriages thrive on love, but they also thrive on mutual respect. And similar is co-founders' relationship. You have to have mutual respect. And Varun is probably someone that I, you know, I have respected. Like probably one of the few people I really, really respect a lot. I always looked up to him, even during the IIT days. Just immensely more brilliant and intelligent than I am. Sharper, more hardworking. Varun and I decided to to start out together. Our our first attempt at building something did work out, and it was an urban company. It was a a different company in a different space. We weren't at it for a very long time, but we were at it for about six months or so. And that didn't, didn't really work out. This is 2014? This is 2014, yeah. Early 2014, the first half. Okay. And during that time, we had met Raghav. And Raghav was introduced to me by a common friend. And Raghav was building a completely different startup of his own, uh, which also didn't work out. And, uh, you know, I found Raghav to be like this, this great techie who also understood business and had a panache for business and so I started to just, you know, chase him and follow up with him. And I asked him to come and join, you know, our first company. And, and he, he didn't believe in the idea at all. And he wanted us to join his company. And I didn't believe in you know, his idea at all. <laughs> Reality was that six months later, you know, both the ideas went kaput. So, you know, when we wrapped up our first idea, uh, in a week's time, I called up Raghav. Again, just a very natural thing. To do. I said, let me just check on what this guy is doing. His company was going nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I called him up and I said, what are you up to? And he said, nothing. I just wrapped up Buggy. Buggy was his first startup. I said, great, you know, <laughs> come and, uh, you know, come and spend time so with us. Yeah. 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 We're also, yeah. you know, unemployed right now and, and, and just yeah. sitting in our living rooms discussing ideas. So then Raghav came on board and we had this lot of long dating period with him, which was more just discussing ideas, trying a few things out in the market. Eventually, in a few months, I think we zeroed in on the whole space of Urban Company. Back then, it used to be called Urban Clap. Raghav came on board, you know, full-time as, a, as the third co-founder, and, and then we got started. 
Got it. Abhinav, I want to get your perspective on the team when you initially met. Were there any things that stood out and also a couple of their backgrounds are very similar. So how did you look at the team? You know what, uh, obviously, Abhiraj and Varun's background is similar in the sense that both are engineers and, you know, their last job, if I can use the word, was at PCD. But in our business, you know, typically we, we invest for potential rather than for experience. And this, this was a team of three people which had immense potential. And in some sense, the experience at that point was uh, irrelevant. And the type of job, I mean, if, if you throw Aviraj Varun Raghav in a situation, uh, you know, whether it's consulting, whether it's problem solving, whether it's something else, I mean, uh, you can take a bet on them. Uh, and so, so it, wasn't, it was less to do with the place they've been to. It was more about the places that they are to go at that time. Got it. And uh, so that was one. And second, it was a good mix. The kind of business that was you know we were building, it had a very clear sort of you know, three-part problem. So tech needs to be built out, and Raghav was a clear owner of that. There is a supply-side platform which needs to be built out, and Varun was initially owning that. And then there was a demand side as well, right? which is Aviraj. So it was a very clear distinction initially, which was called out. And it kind of fed well into, you know, their own core capabilities as well, because a lot of it was new first principles, problem solving, building up processes, operating models that can scale up. And uh, that completely fit into sort of, you know, their background. Got it. So maybe Abhiraj, talk to us about the initial days, the initial research you did, and what was the journey before you finally said, this is it, that from, from an idea perspective? Yeah, so I think after, you know, we had taken one crack at building a startup which hadn't worked. So this time we were sort of in the zone of being, you know, once bitten, twice shy. So we wanted to be extra careful about the space that we choose. Two, three things were very clear. We wanted the space to be large. We wanted it to be a large market opportunity. We didn't want to be constrained by market size. For us, our first, first attempts at building the companies, those were really niche, small markets. And anything we learned, we learned that, you know, you shouldn't be constrained by market size. And the second was, you know, we wanted the problem statement to be something that we could relate to. You know, it should it should feel real and it should feel like a very like a broken thing. It should feel like something that would inevitably get solved over the next few years, whether we take a crack at it or not. Like a world 10 years out, 15 years out, shouldn't be able to imagine, you know, how the world is without this problem being solved. So we all feel that with the haircuts we give ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the home services space was a similar space, you know, home and the broader space of services that you get. It hadn't seen any real, you know, solving, I would say. All internet models across the world were lead generation 1.0 sort of listing models. Nobody had really reimagined. Quality of experiences was a hit or a miss. Most people didn't actually even rely on the internet. They just relied on word of mouth, you know, friends and family recommendation to get a plumber or a carpenter or a cleaner or a beautician. That's how search and discovery was happening. And then there was always, you know, whether this person will show up, whether they'll show up on time, you know, how much will they charge? Will it be transparent, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a broken experience. But on the surface, it didn't look very broken. That's sometimes the nature of these industries is sort of, and on the surface, it looks like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It is how it is. But we felt that this was, you know, just a very large problem, which was actually quite broken. And 
and together, you know, technology plus, you know, smart operations, smart capabilities, we could just build a very large company. So it took us a while to get that conviction. We spent a lot of time, you know, with customers, with service professionals. I guess what convinced us was the problem was not just broken for consumers. It was also broken for service professionals. When we spent a lot of time with service professionals, we realized that it wasn't like they didn't want to improve themselves. Uh, it was almost like they had a shackled existence. You know, they were dependent on a whole host of middlemen and local contractors and aggregators who were eating away into the margins. There were no real incentives aligned doing a good service or giving a good service experience. And many of them were earning, you know, 10, 12, 15,000 rupees a month, very hand to mouth existence. So it felt like a problem which had both constituents, you know, suffering and just, you know, archaic, no technology. So in hindsight, it's like the, you know, ideal grounds for, for technology marketplace to go in and, and try to disrupt it. I think we didn't have that much, you know, granular insight back then, but just at the highest level felt like a large space, which can be disrupted through technology and also through operations excellence. Got it. And maybe Abhinav, at this point, like when you looked at the business initially, how did you go about evaluating both the opportunity as well as the pain points that Abhiraj talked about? So I'm reading up from the deck, which is the first deck we saw. Yeah. If you look at the, the, the mission, right? Why a lot has changed in the business as Abhiraj talked about? You know, the core vision continues to remain the same, right? And I'm reading up of the first headline is, Urban Clap, find trusted professionals for service tasks you care about, right? So, I mean, that core thing continues to be the you know, same. There's also a lot of things which are still same, you see. The passion and hunger in the team to build a very long business, to build a lasting organization which cares about their employees, which deeply cares about the service professionals and not take advantage of the position of power uh, the platform is in. Those things continue to uh, you know, remain constant. The ambition continues to be the same. And you know, while the business did not exist at that time, these fundamentals did. And I mean, it manifested in, in the way Viraj and Varun and Raghav talked about what they wanted to build. And obviously one would have to take a bet on, on the possibility of these things to come to life. The way we did it is, and you know, we actually, Anand, we created a really, really nice investment thesis. And the investment thesis, the only thing right about that thesis was <laughs> the decision to invest. But I'm glad that, you know, the headline was right and the details were wrong. We did a bunch of work in terms of understanding how classified marketplaces have become large businesses in the Western world and have all gone to zero because there is a continuous need, but the business models have continued to evolve and change. And there was, uh, there was a need for better customer experience, more handholding of uh, transactions by the intermediate platforms and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of work we did in terms of that, but we had no clue about which categories would work. We had no clue about, you know, that we have to get these professionals uh, in a sort of, you know, quasi, you know, on our working with us for a extended period of time. So those details we completely lost out on. But the good thing was, you know, we just decided to, we thought that the market is large, which, which continues to be true. And our thesis about that uh, Abhiraj and the team would figure it out. Yeah. So it was more a team investment uh, with, yes. within a large enough market, they'll figure it out. It was 99.9% .9 team investment 
and 0.1% directional sense on the space that there is nothing existing in this space and there's a possibility to create a large business. If it, if it gives you some solace, I mean, even we didn't have any any clue on how things are going to turn out. So <laughs> I think we can cut you some slack. <laughs> yeah, that's always the case, man. Yeah. So, Abhinav, why don't you recount your first initial impressions of Abhinav and, and meeting him? And we now know the other side, what happened on the Tech DD, but uh, even before that. Yeah, yeah so I think um, my first interaction with Abhinav was over a couple of phone calls. Uh, and, and that's, uh, you know, when Abhinav suggested that we come down to Bangalore and meet him and meet the larger team. You know, when we, when we met him and we met the whole team, it was... Uh, you know, very clear to us that, you know, you guys knew a lot about early stage investing, seed investing, investing in marketplaces. The conversation was, you know, just very deep, very high quality. And that's something I, you know, I personally enjoy rich conversations with, with investors. It's, it's one good way for a founder also to, you know, assess an investor, how much an investor is interested in the fit really. And when you have a good a feel for a conversation when it's deep, you know, when it's detailed, it's not flirting at the surface. It, it generally gives you a good feeling. So I remember, you know, going back from Bangalore thinking, hey, you know, whether sort of these guys invest in us or not, like at least the conversation was, you know, good, high quality. We were asked some detailed questions and, you know, these are guys we should stay in touch with. I remember telling Barun that, hey, you know, maybe if they don't invest now, then we, we'll hit them up again for the Series A. Okay. But then, you know, Abhinav did follow up and then eventually that investment happened. And, you know, Abhinav in particular, I, the best part was that he was humble and willing to listen. Many VCs over the years developed that trait, the ability to listen, but in their younger years, they typically don't. <laughs> but that wasn't the case with him. I think he was, for him, it was more, you know, truly understand the company, truly understand the vision of the company, you know, why the founders are, are building it. And it felt like he also focused enough on all the software elements, you know, like he didn't really need to come down and spend time with the team and, you know, go to that dhaba and, and I'm sure he would have thought that he could have get kidnapped or something. The whole environment was, you know, he could have just, you know, many a times, you know, VCs will call you to some, you know, hotel, come and have breakfast with me here, you know, trying to just optimize their time. I think he didn't do that. He made the trip just to meet us and, you know, might have been inefficient from a from a time spent point of view, but I think, you know, that first-hand flavor that you get, you know, when you walk into 110 square foot office of an early stage company, you know, what's happening, the energy, the conversations. I think the founder is also equally appreciative of that effort when somebody's taking that kind of an effort, you know, to, to really understand what you're trying to do. So, uh, yeah, I distinctly remember, you know, uh, that whole day actually. When Abhinav came yeah, over to Delhi. Yeah. So did you pass the test interview? Who, me? You conducted him. Yeah. Uh, Looks like you interviewed <laughs> him. <laughs> no, no, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the, 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 the history of this. So um, yeah. those days we were recruiting as well. And uh, okay. the only recruiting pitch that was working was deselling the company because there was not much else in the company. The office was yeah. what it was. The, so everybody that I was trying to recruit and, and I used to desell the company. So I thought, let me try the same strategy with Abhinav. Let me try and desell the company. Desell? What do you desell mean? Desell not De- sell the company. Like undersell. Like just say, okay. why? Why, yeah. why would you be you know, stupid as to invest in this? Oh, et cetera, et cetera. nice. You know, that kind of thing. It was, yeah, but 
I think it was more him interviewing us than the other way around. He's, you know, <laughs> some of my memories fade, yeah, but yeah. but I am pretty sure that part of the conversation was not like more than five ten minutes. <laughs> that's that's good, but that's a good technique, man. Now you're going to get a lot of deselling when we uh, when we talk to founders uh, at the seed stage. So great. So this is good to go through the initial phase. Anything else from either of you from uh, t- through the first phase of the initial fundraise? or anything just beyond that also that you want to touch upon because the whole idea of this untold seed stories this platform is for the first 500 days of founding and maybe the initial funding what happens and and to demystify that uh, for the up and coming okay. founders i can talk about one of the key things which i saw yeah. and i saw this playing out multiple times and has played out multiple times throughout the journey even in the initial days uh, you know we obviously help people early on to recruit and and there've been cases where you know we have been in touch with certain um, you know people in the past and you know those people have not joined because they were already working at a great place i remember distinctly uh, and you know shripad is still at urban clap so it's been yeah. about five and a half years now i had tried to get shripad in one of our portfolio companies in the past before urban clap and he was doing really well in his uh, you know job at that time and you know varun and abhiraj reached out that they be need a product person and you know i had i connected shripad to varun and abhiraj and i told them that it is impossible to hire this guy and you know we have tried it hard enough like i have tried it hard enough and this guy is not going to leave the job so abhiraj said yeah don't worry about it so you know yes. it is like you know yes. like we will manage yes. that so i think they courted him for like uh, you know one and a half two months over a period of time next time i show up in delhi and shripad was there in the office and he was there he was part of the team i think he was not formally joined or he was about to formally join he is accepted then he was he continues to be an important very important part of the product team overall even after five and a half years and that's something which i've seen over or you know various various roles various functions across these five and a half years the ability to attract talent and ability to convert them you know sell the vision of urban clap you know what we are building towards and taking care of them right? that's also very very important because sometimes you can hire and in couple couple years you know you figure out that things have changed situations change you need to do something else but just taking care of people over an extended period of time is something which has continued yeah yeah abhiraj that's abhinav has highlighted even earlier to me that that's one of your superpowers of being able to attract and retain high quality talent so maybe to the founders listening the two people founder team how do you go about hiring the first 10 people and and selling uh, any tips for them i think different founders have different you know approaches to hiring my approach was you know to build top down and if i was to do it again i would do similarly so to think of you know the first so five six seven people who will own different pieces of the puzzle and and just go out there and bring very very high quality people i guess one good way of thinking about hiring is that you know whenever you hire for an important role you should kind of feel at different stages in the company that this guy is or this girl is borderline like out of my league you know and then like pursue them and convert them i think that sort of you know one like most of the times folks that you know we've been able to hire at the first instance i would have felt that oh well, this is a little bit out of league hmm. and then that actually gives you the energy to say no oh, no but now we should really go out there and convert and once they're in then you know it's also 
your responsibility to you know give them the space to allow them to grow there will be times when they you know like companies like founders even you know execs will hit ceilings if they hit a ceiling you know far too often then it's it's important to have a chat with them and see if there's an alternate role or you know if they need somebody more senior to come and own that function so that the company's scaling doesn't get jeopardized but if you know at the first ceiling sometimes we have the tendency to just give up and say you know what let me just hire someone else and that works once or twice but after a while it's you know you don't create a you know, the culture of the company can't get created by just constantly hiring from outside so you have to also grow people internally and it has to be a good balance of the two got it and then how did you convert sripad oh uh, well one thing is to keep like this is the the beauty of the sun cost fallacy you know just keep spending more time with them for no real for no rhyme or reason just you know tell them that no you're not really interested in hiring yet just come and spend time coffee this that and for anybody who i want to convert the first thing i and i'm convinced that this person is the right person but the person is not convinced the first thing i do is that i i end up spending a lot of time with them and get them to spend a lot of time with you know my team members before they know it they've done 8 to 10 conversation with 10 different people they've invested 20 hours just one after the other over two weeks and then suddenly they're like hey you know let me let me actually take this take this seriously and of course in the process they also learn about the company the vision of the company you know we we say hiring is like hunting in packs it can never be done by one person you have to get the whole complete especially for leadership roles you have to get everybody else involved and everybody else to spend time and and slowly over a period of time you know people people get comfortable the thing about great talent is they're never looking out you know they're always doing well wherever they are they're happy so you have to make that effort got it great so those are the questions i had let's move on to some fun questions about each other you answer about the other person the first one is to you abiraj abinav's one pet peeve that you have noticed over the years um there are i i <laughs> his pet peeve um i would say you know you don't sort of respond to his whatsapps that's something that you know he, he doesn't like at all and 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 he will sort of then call you <laughs> in a few hours uh, to to, to check one. on you know what's what's happening so yeah he also told good. me once that he he judges the mind space of the founder based on how soon they respond on whatsapp like if the founder is responding fast mm-hmm. on whatsapp that means the founder is you know not very busy in a relaxed mind space but if founder is taking too much time to respond on whatsapp that means that you know he's very caught up very busy these days okay i we need to spend a whole hour on that one on the next step i've been out to you abiraj is one quality that impresses you the most well lots there's been a lot to learn as well but i'll t- tell you a serious one and i don't know how he get it mm. but there actually i'll talk about two and so one one is he he always had this sense of great ambition juxtaposed with absolutely true reality you know so it's just where we stand today is so amazingly clear to abhir right and would not get uh, swayed by you know last quarter has done well so we will you know do great or last quarter has done badly and maybe he, there is just so much work behind you know what can happen how to achieve that ambition that there is there is grounding of that 
self-assuredness in, in like where we are today, which I've learned from him also. That's one. And second, you know, th- there have been cases where board member and founder relationships are not very uh, simple and straightforward as people would imagine. But, you know, one thing which I've seen is he has a very, very, very good core, like very strong core, very good core and very good source of where things come from. So I have, I've seen that, you know, there might be various disagreements on issues, but eventually, and he, he may like, he, he may, or, you know, may not be happy, may be unhappy, et cetera, et cetera. But eventually it'll come to that core where, you know, you, you know, he'll say, okay, that's fine. You know, like he just, he just wants to make sure that the other guy is also happy. Suddenly there is that empathy, which comes in at the core, which again, sort of, you know, like it's hard to manage both these things together because they're, they're like sort of, you know, pulling each other apart. But I think the center is like very empathetic and, and nice. good source. Hey, when you're, you're asking him Bhakti. like my qualities and you're asking me his pet peeves. That's, that's not fair at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, they're changing the power equation here, <laughs> obviously. Uh, Abhiraj, AC is one advice. No, you're asking good things here also. AC is one advice that you remember fondly that helped you. Yeah. Oh, there have been, there've been many. I think... I remember this one conversation that we had had, and I think it was uh, about a couple of years back. You know, this was in the the rooftop of uh, the Axel office. And, you know, we were trying to retain uh, one of our important leaders. And and there was an email that I had written to this leader, and I had actually forwarded that to to Abhinav. And Abhinav said that, you know, he said, look, this is phenomenal, man. Like, you you guys care so much about your leaders, etc., etc. But at the same time, you're just too too close cut like you have zero slack in the organization like if if one or two important people leave like there's nobody to fill those shoes you know it's you're too frugal when it comes to hiring you're actually significantly like under investing in the team and you know basically the team is just about right size for today's needs that's it there's not even like one extra person anyway and everybody at all points of time you know is feeling like hey there's there's significant amount of load and I thought about that that conversation, and and the thing about him is that he won't, you know, tell you what to do, right? Like his style is, if he wants to say something, then he'll kind of, you know, lay the the ground for you to realize it on your. Tell me about yeah. it, man. Yeah. <laughs> so so he kind of laid that ground, yeah. and then I was thinking about it, and then on the flight back, I was like, yeah, man, this is true. Like you know, if we have to become like a lasting organization. We can't really worry about, hey, are we going to like be around, you know, we know that we're going to be around, but like, you know, just hire for today, like, you know, grow and then hire for the next. Like we have to somewhere invest ahead of the curve. And I think some of that frugal ethos, that right side, this continues to remain. But that moment was also a a shift for me as, as a founder, you know, to just, I think that year we bought a lot of fresh, high quality talent at all levels into the company. The company just looked very different a year later. Like that was a transformative mm. year for for urban company. I think you know 2018 to 2019. A year later, we were just looking, feeling like a very different company. We made a big org change that year, which unlocked a lot of growth. And yeah, I think that conversation was very helpful in you know getting me on that journey. Got it. I think we're almost out of time. I had one question which I missed earlier. I remember when you guys started, there were 10 to 15 other companies doing. The same thing that you were doing. Abhiraj, any thoughts on competition? How should startups starting today, especially in competitive spaces, think through that? 
Yes, Anand, you're right. When we started out, I think there were actually lots and lots of companies in our space and all of us were doing the wrong thing. The eventual business model that urban company, you know, pivoted and pivoted and many pivots later reached was very different from where we started. And I think there's a lesson there for all young founders listening. You have to do your own thing. You can't get bothered by competition and, you know, what your competitor is doing. And you have to do your own thing. You have to follow your customers and listen to them. And as cliche as it sounds, it's not just the right way to build. It's also a really fun way to build a company. You know, you're always building from first principles. You're not copying, you're not aping. You are getting, you know, you are always looking at best in class across industries, but you're going back to first principles and building. And it's very important in the first two years it's important throughout the journey of a company, but in the first couple of years, it's very important because chances are that what your starting point is and what the eventual company that you'll end up building, there are very high probabilities that those will be, you know, somewhat different. There are there are very few companies I know which get it right the first time. Repeat founders often have a knack of getting it right the first time, but first-time founders, you know, it takes us a few few you know shots at the goal to 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 get it right. And and I know that at urban company. We took an excruciatingly long period of time and many, many, many small pivots to eventually reach the, the model that, that we are at. And I guess many of the other guys, you know, never made those pivots. Abhinav, anything to add to that? No, I think he summed it up very well. You know, we were constantly evolving. There were actually two distinct points, Abhinav, when I thought that we hmm. took like really, really very big calls. And, you know, in, when we were actually taking those mm. calls, uh, it, it didn't feel like those calls were like big. But when I look back, it looks like, or, you know, very, very you know, big calls. So number one was when we changed the model from lead gen to, you know, fulfillment. And why was it difficult? It was difficult because, you know, we had only one model, which was lead gen. It was making money. It was making maybe, you know, two, three, four crores a month or something like that. And it was very high margin business. And so basically the call to fulfillment is on a low margin business and shut down your main line of business, right? So, so you're basically going to cut down all the revenue and change to a model which is lower margin. You know, we did that. And, you know, like at that time, it didn't you know, seem like, well, it seems like a big thing looking back. I think the second big thing we did was we had like 100-odd services, I believe. Yeah. Maybe 100 to five. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> 100 yeah, to we 5. We trimmed it wow. to 5. And, and just imagine the chaos that could have you know, being caused because of this, because, you know, you have categories and category managers, people aligned to these different categories and, you know, basically you're cutting everything to five. And it's a very big decision in an organization. And, you know, Aviraj and the team actually took the call and they said, hey, this is what we have to do. We have to do like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, oh, they didn't like dwell on it and uh, there was no nothing. I mean, it was very straightforward. Like, yeah, we got to do this. We got to do this. And I think we've been, we've been fortunate also. We have had good fortune and uh, that we've been able to raise capital, but also we've been able to make these decisions that had turned out to be, uh, you know, thankfully in our favor, uh, where we've been able to focus, double down, and scale up the business. Things we thought would be big and have turned out to be okay. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Any, uh, anything else you want? Any parting wisdom for the first-time founders that you might have missed earlier? Uh, uh, feel free to add, and especially given the times, any any comments and uh, we'll wrap up with that. I think most first-time founders and founders today are, you know, the quality is really gone up. They're very, very smart. Uh, very, I, mean, I think we, we have a lot to learn from them. 
versus the other way around. So no, I, I avoid giving any more advice. <laughs> Good. Uh, okay. on, on that note, really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your journey. And I'm sure there are a lot of takeaways for the first time founders who are listening. And uh, hopefully this inspires a whole new generation of entrepreneurs out there. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Hope you enjoyed the chat with Abhiraj from Urban Company. He took us through his early life and career and how he went about building Urban Company in its early days with the help of his friends turned co-founders. We also had Abhinav, my partner from Axel, who has been closely working with Urban Company since we initially invested in their seed stage. They talked about a lot of things and a lot of great learnings from the journey. Hope you learned something new that you can apply to your own journey. If you have some feedback, let us know on Twitter at Axel underscore India and visit us on seedtoscale.com slash insights. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends who are thinking to build a startup. Our next episode in the series is with Girish Matrabodham, founder and CEO of Freshworks. Stay tuned for more updates. Thank you and stay safe. Thank you.